Good evening, everyone. We're broadcasting live May 27th. Today's quote is about the Buddha, about how radiant and clear is his complexion. Just as a trinket of red gold shines and glitters, so too the good Gautama's senses are calmed and his complexion is clear and radiant. So in and of itself, it's a uh, praise of the Buddha and the, uh, the most obvious benefit of this quote is to encourage reverence for the Buddha, which is good in and of itself. It's good to revere great people. It's good to respect them. It's good even, you know, to potentially bow down before the Buddha, which is a common thing for Buddhists to do. These are good things. They cultivate humility, respect, reverence, appreciation. They help you take the practice, the teaching seriously. When you think about the Buddha and how wonderful he was, it's a good thing, good for your practice. I think what's more interesting is why? Why is the Buddha so radiant? What is it about a Buddha as opposed to another religious teacher that we would argue or say or claim makes him more radiant? Or what makes him special? What makes him radiant more than an ordinary person? And that we find in the Buddha's teaching. And that's more interesting because then it is something that we can actually emulate. We emulate the practices and the behaviors, the mind states that lead one to be radiant. That's of more of, of deeper benefit than simply praising the Buddha, you know, because of course that's quite limited. Some people, that's all they do is rather than working to better themselves, they praise people who are better than themselves. I mean, not even in religion, this is a common thing in the world. People use it as a defense mechanism. When someone is great, when someone is exceptional at something, they use it as a defense mechanism to praise them. It, it, it is a way of avoiding actually emulating them or, or keeping up with them. Oh, you're such a good person. Well, why? What? That means you're not going to become a good person. Yeah, and that's actually the thing. Oh, you're so nice, so wonderful. Basically saying, um, I have no intention of becoming such a nice person. I find it remarkable. Sometimes we maybe wish we could be like that person, but... But I'm just the idea of praise can, is limited and, and limiting and can be potentially limiting if we rely upon praise of the Buddha, we worship the Buddha, oh, he's so great. And then people say things like, you know, you can't 
possibly see Nibbana yourself. Nirvana is not something a human being can... Or I had one man tell me, human beings can't attain Nibbana. He said, uh, he said it's like... No, what did he say? He said, oh, you, you Westerners, you... You, uh, you, you, you look at the moon and you think to go to the moon. And I said, well, well we did actually go to the moon. <laughs> uh, anyway. the, um, the idea is to emulate, not simply revere the Buddha. Emulate the enlightened ones. And the Buddha said, if you want to respect the Buddha, what's the greatest respect is to practice his teachings. So what are these great teachings that lead one to be radiant? The, the, the one that's most directly related to radiance and to this clear complexion is staying in the present moment. Of course, that describes very much the core practice of insight meditation, but this description of being rooted in the present moment. And he uses uh, language uh, relating to, to, to plants and how they're rooted in the ground. So he talks about grass, how when you cut grass, it gets cut off from its source of energy and, and withers up and dies. Uh, and likewise, this is a very apt analogy because likewise the mind that's caught up in the past or the future gets cut off from reality. It loses its energy and it withers up, dries up. So people who are, uh, who are, are of poor complexion, in sense of aged and wrinkled and, and, and so on, but, you know, beyond normal people who, whose bodies become uh, sick and, and, and chronically unhealthy. It, it's for many causes, but one cause is not being present. You know, the, the Buddha was asked, why, how is it that these monks who only eat one meal a day, how can they be radiant? How can they look so so healthy, so young, if they're not eating full meals, sometimes they don't get much to eat? How can they still look so radiant? And that's what the Buddha said. He said it's because they don't, for the past they do not mourn, or for the future weep. They take the present as it comes, and thus their color keeps. It's from the Jataka. So everything that we experience occurs in the present moment. You don't have to go looking for it. You just have to remind yourself that you're here now. When you think about the past, remind yourself it's just a thought and it's present. When you worry about the future, remind yourself this is worry and this is thought. This is planning, this is remembering. Even remembering and planning, they all happen here and now. To remind yourself, otherwise you create the concept of future and past and you're lost. 
You're in the realm of concepts. You're no longer in the realm of reality. You create a new universe. It's not here and now. It's completely illusory. And you can feel the difference. You might argue, well, that's useful, and so on. Argue as you may. We, we suffer from living in the past and the future. You can feel it viscerally. You lose energy, you're weighted down, you're tired, you get sick. All of our desires and aversions, they come from this realm of concepts. Reality is not... Uh, it's clingable. If you're living in reality, there's no there's no quality to it that is uh, uh, appealing or displeasing. So. A little bit of, so uh, we live in the present moment. This is what we try to do when we meditate. We try to just be here now, plain and simple. Not judge it, not react to it. It's not easy. So it's, it's building a new habit. So it takes training. <clears throat> it takes practice. But that's what we do. And then we shine as well. We become more radiant. So, a little bit of dhamma for today. Everybody's waving at me. These waves. Okay, we got a couple of questions here. Do you have to see impermanence, suffering, and non-self moment to moment, or does simply knowing and understanding impermanence, suffering, and non-self moment to moment satisfy the practice? Knowing and seeing are the same. Sounds like you're maybe con uh, referring to intellectual knowledge, theoretical knowledge. Like, hey, I was I was uh, happy yesterday, and I'm not happy today. That's impermanent, or something like that. Knowing and seeing, or knowing comes from seeing. When you see, you know. You know because you see. And it's not something you have to do, it's something that happens. Uh, what you have to do is be present, and be only present, and you'll see things arising and ceasing. They're impermanent, means they're not stable. They're dukkha, which means they're not satisfying. Because they're unstable, they can't, you can't claim that that's a cause of happiness. Like that's going to satisfy you. And you can't control them. They don't belong to you. They don't have any entity of their own. They're ephemeral. They arise and they cease. Once you understand and know suffering impermanence and non-self, what is the next part of the practice meditation? It only takes a moment. If you have one moment of pure uh, understanding of impermanence or suffering or non-self, one or the other, you'll see it clearly, so clearly. The next moment is... Uh, the cessation, nibbana. So there is really isn't really a next step. The next step happens by itself. 
Is it natural for fear to arise at times one sees non-control? Oh, absolutely, yes. It's called bhayanyana. Not exactly. Bhayanyana is you see uh, the fearsomeness. The fear that comes from it is problem. Fear is, is based on anger, dosa. So you have to acknowledge it. Afraid, afraid. But it's, of course, common once you see how, how terrifying it is, how unstable everything is. It's like having the rug pulled out from under you or having your whole foundation shook because we think of our lives as, oh, I can control this. And then we realize, ah, I can't control this. That's scary. But the knowledge isn't afraid. It's not, it's not important to be afraid. It's not good to be afraid. It's just a reaction that we have to work on and overcome. When an unenlightened person notes seeing as seeing, hearing as hearing, is it still karma? Yes, it's kusala karma. It's jnana sampayutta as well, so it's associated with knowledge. So it's karma in the best, best of the best sort. It's karma that gets you closer to seeing the truth and letting go, and realizing nibbana. What is the role of prayer in spiritual practice? Well, if you're praying to another being, that's delusion. That's what role it has. Uh, but if you're making a determination for something, may this happen, may that happen, that's a good way of setting yourself. And it's also, um, it actually changes the universe. It changes your mind, it changes your surroundings. If you have very strong, a very strong mind, you can actually change things with your determination. May it be thus, may it be thus, may it not be thus. You can actually affect the universe. This is how some meditators, some meditation practices, they actually practice to manifest things, like may I be rich, may I be this or that. Of course we don't do that, but they, they seem to have some results in getting what they want through the power of the mind, the power of determination. So making a wish, may I be happy, may other beings be happy, my parents be happy, can really affect them. It can, it can change reality if you have a strong enough determination. So we call it determination, atitana. If you hear a voice clearly, is it important to note all the change in the voice happening in that particular moment? No, just the hearing, hearing. You don't have to worry about the particulars. You, you, you'll see all the particulars anyway. But what you have to remind yourself is that that's just hearing. It's nothing else. It's not good. It's not bad. It's not me. It's not mine. A good number of people tonight. Most of you are green, which is good. Green means you've meditated recently. Appreciate that.
welcome. Okay. No other questions. We will stop there. Uh, tomorrow, I'm not. I don't think I'll be broadcasting tomorrow. It's a long day tomorrow with this big thing in Mississauga. So probably I'll just take a break. We'll see. But I don't think so. Anyway, have a good night, everyone. <laughs>